if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer is your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thank you so very much for joining us for Always Right Radio on AM 1420. The answer. It is eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock, and we're ready. We got a big show for you. It's a Friday. Kind of a free-for-all, but I do have guests as well, so you're going to have to work with me here. It's the 22nd morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, 2022. So happy Friday to you. Appreciate you being with us. Coming up on the program in an hour. So that means hour one is that free-for-all I was talking about. This is your chance to be heard live at 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Coming up in an hour at 10.10, we're going to be talking to Ed Brodow. He's a conservative political commentator and author. He's put together a really, really important piece, as I see it, about transphobia being an attack on free speech. And no, that doesn't mean that people who are accused of being transphobic are the ones violating violating free speech. Rather, those who are doing the accusing. The ones trying to silence us for speaking out truth on what they are doing primarily to children. It's a very important piece that he wrote. We're going to talk about it at 1010. At 1035, Christina Hagan, former Ohio State Representative, current member of the Ohio Elections Commission, who has been off for the last couple of weeks, makes her return. She's got some important commentary. We talk to her about the latest current events each and every week, so we're looking forward to that. And then at 1110, we talk antitrust. And you think, what? Oh, my gosh, how boring. Yeah, you know, antitrust law isn't something I would go into. 
but I'm glad some people do and some people did so that we can understand what's going on here with the monopoly by the big tech companies that censor our voices, that literally censor um you know, the, the, the citizens of the United States that offer dissenting points of view, dissenting, of course, uh, for those who are both in the Biden administration, federal government, and those in um, uh, the big tech mogul offices. They have combined and coordinated to monopolize the tech industry, to monopolize social media, and essentially to freeze out everybody else. That is antitrust, and this should be the, uh, this should be the end of the line for antitrust, uh, the Senate antitrust bill, rather. The American Innovation and Choice Online Act, which advanced out of the Senate Judiciary Committee back in January, uh, will hurt U.S. consumers and concentrate even more power at the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission. Republicans, even those who quarrel with big tech tech firms over speech issues, should be wary of this legislation. It's a really great piece by Jessica Malugan that I'm quoting from right now from Real Clear Policy. And it's going to make some sense for you when we talk to Hannah Cox. Uh, it might not right now, but it will when we talk to Hannah Cox coming up at 1110. It's important, particularly if you care at all about having freedom online, about freedom from being censored, about free choice, about free options, uh, and to stop them from blocking out websites that you don't like, not caring apps that you want uh, or that uh, you know conservative-minded individuals are behind. I mean, it's also very important. Hannah Cox is a libertarian uh, and a writer, and she is a co-founder and the host of Based Politics Network, which is important. So we're going to talk to her at 1110. So there you go. Ed Brodow, Christina Hagan. And Hannah Cox, those are our guests today. You are free in the first hour at 216-901-0945. Now, before we get started on the news of the day, I'm going to ask you to stand like the patriot that you are. Face the flag if you have one. If you don't, that's all right. I know you wish you did, and you are imagining one in your head. But put your hand on your heart. Even if you're driving, you can do that part of it. And join us for our Pledge of Allegiance. If you believe in being mandated by the federal government to take drugs that are absolutely 100% not as intended. And I'm talking about the COVID vaccines that Joe Biden took, despite not once, not twice, but thrice and four times jabbed, the President of the United States still got COVID again anyway. If you are a believer in being mandated to take these things, dangerous as they are, and uh, that do not do their jobs, well, then you don't believe in the freedom afforded us by the Constitution and the flag that represents this great country. So you are exempted from this request to pledge your allegiance to it. You may take a knee instead next to your favorite ex-quarterback. For the rest of us, however, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. All I can tell you, my friends, is um, I had too much time on my hands last night, and I opened up my video editing software, and I just passed the time. I passed the time, probably way too much of it, actually, putting together this little montage because I couldn't help myself. The idea that Joe Biden has cancer, or cancer, he's the one who said that, I'm sorry. He said he had cancer two days ago. The idea that he has COVID, rather, uh, for a second time was just too much to pass up. So listen uh, and uh, and do what you will with uh, with this. 
And, of course, we have to make sure that it is playable before you can do what you will with this. Here we go. President Biden has tested positive for COVID-19. As we well know, it's been reported he's fully vaccinated. He's been twice boosted. You're okay. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. He's fully vaccinated. You're okay. Twice boosted. Now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. President Biden has tested positive for COVID-19. Vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. He's fully vaccinated. When people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. He's been twice boosted. There's no excuse. No excuse for anyone being unvaccinated. He's fully vaccinated. This continues to be a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Twice boosted. Essentially, vaccines block you from getting and giving. Um, the virus positive for COVID-19 pandemic of the unvaccinated. He's fully vaccinated. You're okay. Twice boosted. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. He's fully vaccinated. There's no excuse. Twice boosted. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus. The virus does not infect them. Positive for COVID-19. You're okay. You're not going to you're not going to get COVID. He's fully vaccinated. You want to be a dead end to the virus. Twice boosted. So when the the virus gets to you, you stop it. Biden has tested positive. The virus stops for COVID-19. Vaccinated people don't get sick. Fully vaccinated. They are not going to get infected. Twice. Vaccines block you from getting boosted and giving um, the virus. You're okay. 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 Um. Yeah. Twice boosted. I had a lot of fun with that. You can see that video. It is. It features all of the major players you can imagine. It features Brandon himself. It features uh, Rochelle Walensky, the director of the CDC. It features Dr. Science himself. It features a Rachel Maddow from MSNBC. It re-featured some other quote-unquote expert. I don't remember what her title is uh, toward the end there with the... Um, it's not the CDC. It's the... Uh, Hold on, hold on. I'm going to grab this real quick. It is uh, Dr. Monica Gandhi. She is an infectious disease expert with another one of the federal agencies telling you that, nope, you get COVID shots. You don't get COVID. It's just that simple. Uh, but no. And here is the most frustrating thing apart about, uh, part about, frustrating thing about all of this, rather. The most frustrating thing about it is, is they know the propaganda campaign that they are continuing to push or that they are restarting just in time for the fall to create the midterm variant is literally and absolutely 100% harmless. And the reason I say this is this. Joe Biden has been diagnosed with COVID and all of the people around him, if they took this as seriously as they tried to take this back in 2020 and really for most of 2021, if not all of 2021, and even into the beginning of this year in 2022, when you tested positive, what did you have to do? Not only did you have to quarantine for 10 to 14 days, everybody you came into contact with had to be welded into their homes or into their apartments by themselves. They had to live in a plastic bubble. Uh, Remember the boy in the plastic bubble? John Travolta movie from like 1977. Everybody had to go into their little germ-free bubble so that you couldn't infect anyone else. That's what they told us. If you had COVID, even if you got the vax, 
because then they had to walk back there all of the comments that I just played for you and saying, um, well, it, you know, it, um, it decreases the, uh, the symptoms and, uh, you won't go into the hospital and, you know, you won't die because that's what this vaccine was for. It was to make sure that the, the symptoms were lessened because, you know, there's no way to stop it or anything. No, they told us it would stop it, that these shots would stop the virus dead in its tracks. If you get infected and you're vaccinated, it dies with you. You can't spread it and you can't get it again. This is what they told us. All of those lies. And and so the frustrating part is going back to that is they know full well this is not anything to be worried about because they're not making everybody who saw Joe Biden, they're not cross-going back over to Saudi Arabia and telling the crown prince and everybody there, get in your bubble. Biden was there and Biden had COVID, or Biden got it from you, and you are all in serious jeopardy. They're not talking about Biden being in jeopardy, even though he's in the statistically most um, uh, uh, affected age range because he's nearly 80. They are talking, they're not talking about him and his long-term health prognosis here. He made a video saying, hey, everybody, I'm good. I've got COVID, but I'm good because he knows full well that there is no threat to him here, that this may be highly transmissible, maybe not, considering the fact they're not putting everybody, like I said, uh, on lockdown who has come into contact with him, it's probably not even that highly transmissible. But more than that, it is not something that is considered to be deadly or serious, uh, putting people in serious health um, situations or circumstances. Otherwise, 79-year-old poor health Joe Biden uh, would not be making a video saying, hey, I'm good, everybody, and signaling to everybody that this is nothing to worry about. He would not be doing that. So they're lying to you. They're lying to you from the beginning. They have been lying to you from the beginning. And the worst part about it is is they continue to lie to you and to me by telling us that the vaccines are effective. They are absolutely not. And the unconstitutional mandating of people getting those vaccines to work for the federal government or work for a contractor that works for the government, et cetera, et cetera, continues to be one of the biggest crimes, I think, of my lifetime committed by my own government. So Biden is infected. You can watch that video. I put it on my socials, too. If you're on Truth Social, find me there. Uh, I'm on Trump's Truth Social. Uh, uh, the handle is uh, Always Right, WHK. You can find me on Facebook as well at Always Right 1420 uh, and uh, Always Right Radio. Actually, I think you just look at Always Right Radio, and you'll find me there on Facebook as well. And you can watch the video, share it with friends, have a little bit of laugh at Joe Biden's expense. 920, we'll take our time out here. I've got a lot more news to get to in our monologue coming up on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Nine twenty three, always right. Radio on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. I got a lot of different things to get into in this um, in this opening monologue, but that doesn't mean I won't take your phone calls. As I said, this hour in particular is yours, and it's more important uh, than uh, uh, to get you in now because we're going to have some guests in the upcoming hours. So I welcome you at two one six nine zero one zero nine four five and triple eight two eight one eleven ten. But let me get a couple of quickies in here because they are important. Um, Lee Zeldin was attacked. Lee Zeldin. Congressman Lee Zeldin was attacked by a psycho with an edged weapon. And that's not the, that's a shocking story. Uh, he took, uh, you know, the, he, um, at, at, a, at an appearance, he's a representative from New York, um, at appearance, uh, an appearance in Parenton, New York, last night, 
he was giving a speech and was talking to some people, shaking some hands, when a suspect identified as David Jacobonis was charged with attempted assault with a sharp-edged weapon and assault in the second degree. That in and of itself is kind of shocking because, again, and you know as well as I do, the fact that conservative Republican Lee Zeldin being attacked is going to be no big deal. The media will will end this coverage right now. In fact, probably this morning. It's over. They said it happened, and now it's over. They're not going to pay any attention to it. You know doggone well if it was a MAGA hat-wearing Trump supporter who attacked a Democrat um, uh, member of Congress, a Democrat House member, you know exactly where that would go. You know what the media coverage would be. Same thing when Brett uh, Kavanaugh, Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, a Trump appointee, um, there was an attempted murder of him by a far-left Roe v. Wade zealot um, who's now literally facing attempted murder charges, and the press could not have been bothered uh, to cover that. I mean, their yawn could not have been any longer or pronounced. They don't care. They actually wish he had carried it out. Same thing here. Nobody's going to care. But if you flip that around and have a MAGA Trump Republican attacking a Supreme Court justice, have a MAGA Trump Republican attacking a member of Congress like this, 24-7, when do we start the hearings? When do we form the new select committee in the House to talk about the danger of these rabid white supremacists, straight white males uh, who are out there trying to attack all that is good, true, and virtuous? That is exactly what they would do. Zeldin is the Republican candidate for governor in New York, in addition to being a member of the uh, the Ohio, excuse me, of the uh, uh, U.S. House. And the the worst part about the story, in my estimation, is what happened after the attack. Zeldin predicted that the the attacker would be released. He said, "quote His words as he tried to stab me a few hours ago were, 'You're done.'" But several attendees quickly jumped into action and tackled the guy. Law enforcement was on the scene within minutes. The attacker will be instantly released, of course, under New York laws. That was his prediction as it went down. And sure enough, what's the update to the story? The update to the story is, yes, the attacker has been released. He was arraigned in a Parenton Town Court and released on his own recognizance. He didn't have to post bail. You want to know why violent crime is on the rise? We talked about this in some depth yesterday um, with uh, uh, Chris Peranto. You want to talk about violent crime? You want to talk about what these DAs are doing? You want to talk about what these judges are doing? This is why you can attack somebody with an edged weapon, attempting to kill them and not see an evening in jail. Not have to post a nickel for bail. And, of course, there is thus no deterrence whatsoever to see if you can get away with it. That's the reality of the situation. That's story number one. And that's the first lead story right now that's on alwaysright.us as well. The third lead story I want to get into and I want to spend a moment or two here on in the monologue because we haven't talked about this for a few days now. The story of the 10-year-old girl in Columbus who they alleged was raped and got pregnant by that rapist and had to travel to Indiana to receive an abortion because she was six days, or excuse me, six weeks and three days pregnant and thus passed the Ohio uh, uh, law mark of six weeks. That whole story, I and a whole bunch of other people really questioned the veracity of that story, questioned the existence of the little girl for a number of reasons. Number one, the timing, 
in which this uh, came out right after the reversal of Roe or the overturn of Roe v. Wade. Number one. Number two, we don't have a six week law in Ohio. We have a heartbeat law. It matters. Number three, the Attorney General of the state of Ohio literally said that there has been no whisper of any kind of an attack. There's none of the police departments that I'm aware of in the state of Ohio, particularly in Columbus. Uh, They're not looking for a rapist because nothing has been reported, so we don't even know if any of this is true. That, of course, by the way, once we found out it was true, an arrest got was made like two days after we started talking about this, and two days after other national conservative press talked about this, and two days after Attorney General Yost talked about this on Fox News, there was an arrest made. And the left has flipped around. Oh, you loser conservatives, you owe an apology. You owe an apology. You didn't even think she existed. Well, guess what? Under the circumstances that had been presented to us at that point in time, I doubled down on it. I still wouldn't have think she, she thought she existed. The fact that she does is not a reflection on us. It's a reflection on the girl's mother. The girl's mother didn't report it. The girl's mother didn't want to call the police. The girl's mother didn't want to report the individual who is an illegal alien for raping her 10-year-old daughter. You want to know why? Because apparently the girl's mother is in a relationship with him and is, in fact, pregnant as well. The woman is again defending the illegal alien who raped her 10-year-old daughter twice as Breitbart News has chronicled, a 27-year-old illegal alien, Gerson Fuentes, was arrested and charged with raping a 10-year-old girl in Columbus, Ohio, then became pregnant. The girl's case was cited by the establishment media, blah, blah, blah. I just told you all of that, but here's what's important. Fuentes, according to police, admitted to twice raping the girl. Meanwhile, court records confirm the girl identified Fuentes as her rapist. And in an interview with Telemundo, the girl's mother kind of threw a closed door. Uh, the girl's mother, suspected of being Fuentes' girlfriend and is currently pregnant with his child, defended the man who raped her daughter. Quote, everything that they're saying against him is a lie, she said. In another interview with Telemundo, the woman again defended Fuentes, stating, he is innocent. A source confirmed to Telemundo that the mother of the 10-year-old rape victim is in a relationship with Fuentes and is care- the mother is carrying Fuentes's baby as well. Fuentes has been able to live in the United States for at least seven years working as a cafe at a cafe despite his illegal alien status. ICE said they had never been previously uh, they had never previously encountered Fuentes until his arrest for raping the girl. He's now sitting in a Franklin County jail. How about that? A shocker on a two million dollar bail. ICE agents have placed a detainer on him so that if he is released from local custody at any time, he will be turned over to their custody for arrest and deportation. So why didn't we know about the existence of this girl? Why didn't we know about this actual rape? Why didn't we know about a 10-year-old who had gotten pregnant from a rapist? Because the mother covered it all up. Because she is doing the rapist. At the same time, mother and daughter were pregnant by this illegal alien who shouldn't have been here in the first place. Now, you still want to tell me that the story here is the fact that she traveled to Indiana for an abortion? That's not the story here. It wasn't the story from the beginning. At least it shouldn't have been. They made that the story to score political points. The real story here is another illegal alien who shouldn't be here raping 10-year-olds and being defended by the 10-year-old's mother. 
932, let's get news. Come back. Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Keeping you informed among the uninformed. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. Yes, indeed, that is what we are. That is who we are all day, every day. Thanks for being with us on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Don't forget to check the webpage. Don't forget to leave a message on the, um, on the, uh, the uh, sh- uh, not shout-out. Why am I blanking on my own page for crying out loud? <laughs> the sound off. Shout-out would work, I suppose. But sound off is what the page is called. Thank you, Johnny, by the way. I should probably pull up my own page when I promote it. The sound off button is in the upper right-hand corner. It's red. Click it to record your message for the show. We'll bring your message to the airwaves. Respond to your questions, comment on your comments, and more if you can't wait on hold. So that's the way we work it. Uh, if you can't get through on the phone lines, 216-901-0945, got some good guests coming up here, including and starting uh, at the uh, top of uh, the second hour coming up. We're going to talk with Ed Brodow. He is a, uh, in, a reporter and a journalist. He wrote a terrific piece about free speech being under attack, all in the name of adv- advancing the trans agenda in this country. We'll talk about that with him. Right now, though, as promised, since it is a free-for-all Friday, I believe we should go to the phones. 216-901-0945. David Freeman is on the line. David Freeman, I had on, uh, I want to say, in May or early June for an event that was coming up at that time in... Uh, uh, at Lorain County Community College promoting the Convention of States. And uh, David is back. Hey, David, how are you? I am well, sir, and uh, have no fear, I am wearing a mask. <laughs> Don't start that again. Can you believe that? Did you did you see what they're did you see what they're doing in San Diego? I mean, it is full-on oh mask God. requirements again in the entire San Diego Unified Public School District. This is this propaganda is going to continue to be pushed until people are masking all over the place again. People are quarantining or they're uh, they're locking down again until they can go ahead and declare. You know, it's probably better just that we all mail in our ballots then gather together at the polling places back gathering together at your election precincts that's just too dangerous now they're going to do it again well i don't know about you but my wife and i have both noticed an increase in mask wearers community here and i don't i don't understand why where's the message coming from i haven't yet um, I don't know exactly where you live, and you have to tell me, but um, in where I live, I haven't noticed a real increase in mask wearers. I still see the occasional, you know, and I don't know what their circumstance is. I don't judge anybody. Maybe somebody wearing a mask by themselves in a store, which, I, like I said, occasionally, maybe they've got, you know, serious uh, immunocompromised you know, uh, problems, and they don't even want to catch cold. And so they're just doing that to, to stop you know, any germs from coming into their vicinity. And you know what? If that's what you want to do, that's fine. But I haven't seen a huge uptick in it around here, at least where I live. All right. Like, well, what do we, uh, where do we want to go at this point? Well, let's uh, talk. Other... Let's talk. Well, here's where I want to go. I want to talk about uh, a convention of states. I'm assuming you've got some new developments. Uh, first of all, how did it go at the, uh, the event at LCC last month? Well, I'll just uh, give a uh, an overview. It went very well, uh, considering how many obstacles we had to overcome to even have it presented. And that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> Some people looked at it as being political, and we're not allowed to have political events on campus. But even though you and I both know there's nothing political about this, it's, it's strictly 
uh, nonpartisan. It has to do with the Constitution. It's educational in nature. But someone, I don't know who, uh, determined that we can't uh, peddle our politics. So, But it went off very well. The, I'm uh, very disappointed to hear that. I'm very disappointed to hear that, by the way, but not surprised to hear that. Even at the community college level, uh, it's like so many others at you know institutions of higher learning where they do. And it's probably not politics that they objected to. It's a particular type of politics. Uh, and the Convention of States is probably largely thought of as being more conservative and libertarian-minded, people wanting to you know, restore the Constitution or, obviously, with the goal of a Convention of States to make uh, amendments that are necessary to the Constitution. And uh, they probably didn't think it was woke enough, and that's why you weren't welcome. Well, I'm glad you phrased it that way because there is a very recent poll uh, that was by the Trafalgar Group Mm-hmm. And it, it was a nationwide survey, and 65% of all uh, who were polled are in highly favorable toward the Convention of States being held. Now, the, the, the leanings are as follows. The GOP was 81% uh, in favor, uh, highly in favor. Uh, even the Democrats who were polled, over 50% are very much in favor of the convention of states being held and i thought that was kind of eye-opening yeah that's interesting that that really is i mean it's still a pretty big gap there i mean obviously that means significantly significantly more democrats are fine with the way things are and don't think this is needed that the direction is just fine um but it is the fact that it's more than 50 percent of those polled i don't know how big the survey was but the the fact that it was more than 50 percent is kind of eye-opening well i think uh one of the items that uh, stood out for me was asking myself, well, why would Democrats not be in favor? If you take a look at the uh, tenure of those who are current Congress, uh, those who have been there the longest tend to be on the left side, and they would be the projecting to And that probably, uh, you know, once in power, you always want to maintain power, and of so course. that's why they don't want any changes to be made. Of course, That's my that, guess, though, and who yeah, do I know? No, I think you're. I think you're exactly right, or at least most likely that that is correct. So, uh, so David, what's uh, what's the latest now? Um, you know, uh, and for those who don't know where we're talking about, the Constitution through Article Five uh, gives the power uh, to call a convention of states. It's a big deal. You have to get 34 states to call the convention and 38 to ratify any amendments that are proposed in the convention. That's what this is all about. Uh, you know, it, it's an attempt to uh, essentially limit the power and the scope of power that the federal government has over the people. It's supposed to be the government is supposed to work for the people and not the other way around. But so that's what this is all about. What's the latest, David? What's uh, what's what's been going on? Well, as we all know, the uh, uh, Columbus is out of session. They're on vacation, and just prior to uh, we had two presentations uh, to the Senate. The, the Senate, in my opinion, the way I read body language and the questions that they answered, uh, Mark Meckler, who is the president of COS, I think they're all in favor and they're ready to go. They're just waiting for the Convention of States in the House to come out of committee. And once, once that happens, I think the uh, momentum is there to get it done before the end of this year. Wow. And, and that would be a big deal. I, I was looking at the map before. 
Um, and the number, I don't I didn't count them up, but there's a, a, a good and growing number of states that have already passed Convention of States resolutions. There are several in which um, there is legislative action right now, including ours, and then there's uh, others that have passed one chamber but not both, so they're still working on that. But um, exactly how far away are we numbers-wise? David, you still there? Uh, relative to what, Ohio? No, no. How many states? How many states? How many? Oh, okay. How many states um, are currently? How many states are currently uh, have passed the resolution, and how many have active legislation right now? How close are we to getting the number that we nineteen need? have already passed? So they're a hundred percent on board. Um, twenty-seven. So the difference between nineteen and twenty-seven, in, in my math, is eight. Eight are in process and are ready to take the next step could mean a variety of things, that depending upon how the structure is on a first day basis. Uh, either the Senate has to uh, approve or the House approves. Right. Or whatever legislature is uh, controlling uh, the action. But um, it looks very promising. There's a huge momentum being uh, here locally. I can tell you that uh, every phone call I make, I get two or three in response. I have now uh, established a uh, what I call a local field office at the, at the Dunkin' Donuts on Abbey Road. So for those who uh, want to come, um, it's every second Saturday of the month, which means this. Well, this, this coming is an exception. Getting all volunteers who have signed up. It's kind of a meet and greet. Um, what are your skill sets? What would you like to do? Uh, because we have a ton of things that could be possible. Uh, we could have some help with the uh, fairs coming up during the summer. We have booths at the Stark County Fair, the Summit County Fair, the Lorraine County Fair. And so we need uh, help manning the booths there. So if those who want to just stand there and hand out material or uh, get petition signed, you're more than welcome to come on board. Just contact me at my uh Phone number four four zero three one five nine zero six three, and uh, we'll sign you up in one of those fairs. And if you want to stay and just send out emails or make calls, we have a it's called a Telepatriot program. It's a no-brainer. Uh, it's an app that you can download on your phone. We give you the people to call, and we give you the script to say. Generally, about seventy percent of the calls you make, you're going to leave a message on the answering machine anyway. So it's very easy. So it's not it's not sales oriented or anything even close to that. Well, I'll tell you what, it's it's great to know that you're out there working like this and that people are volunteering and that they have a place to come. By the way, the college hasn't told you you can't go across the street to Dunkin' Donuts, right? They haven't uh, tried to just... <laughs> People don't know the Dunkin' Donuts that uh, David is talking about is right across the street from Larry County Community College uh, up in Elyria slash Sheffield area. So, uh, yeah, listen, it's a, it's it's a great thing, and and just to let people know how many people, and you you can see these uh, and so much more on the website conventionofstates.com. These are some of the luminaries that are in support of a convention of states, an Article 5 convention of states. Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, many people, he's the number one choice for the Republican nomination for president. Ben Shapiro, Dave Rubin, Mark Levin, Ben Carson, Dr. Ben Carson, Senator Rand Paul, Governor Greg Abbott of Texas, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson. I love Governor uh, Lieutenant Governor Robinson. He's the one who gives us, uh, uh, do I have it handy here? I might not have it handy here. Yeah, uh, hold on. 
I can't not play this whenever I have an opportunity, if I have an excuse to. Ain't but two genders. Two genders. Ain't nothing but men and women. That's Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson of North Carolina is also a pastor. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, Representative Chip Roy, Mark Meadows. I mean, we're talking about really some of the leading conservative voices and constitutional voices. Charlie Kirk, Lawrence Jones, James O'Keefe from Project Veritas. These are all individuals who have statements. Eric Metaxas, Sean Hannity, former Governor Sarah Palin, they're all on uh, the webpage, all with their statements about why they support the Convention of States project. It is so enormous, and I encourage everybody to visit uh, conventionofstates.com and then see what you can do to help David Freeman uh, work on that in the, here in the state of Ohio. Uh, it's just a ton of And if you want to, at, you know, at, at minimum, uh, say nothing, just show up. Uh, we're giving a presentation uh, the Westlake 12 project at the uh, Princeton Lutheran Church. David, unfortunately, uh, your phone is cutting out about every third syllable, so I can't hear much about what you're saying about that next thing. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to end the call, but I don't want you to hang up. I'm going to put you on hold. Give that uh, information about I think I heard Westlake through the through the interruptions there. Uh, give that information to Johnny, and I'll, uh, I'll let everybody know what it was on the other side. Westlake 912 Project. Okay, I heard that part, but he said there's a presentation. So get the details from him, if you would, Johnny, and we'll talk about that on the other side. Meantime, I encourage everybody to check out conventionofstates.com. We'll take our time out here. It's 953, Always Right Radio, right back. So David Freeman's um, phone is breaking up there, as you could tell. I couldn't quite get the information either, but we have it now. Uh, the Westlake 912 Project. This is going to be a Convention of the States information presentation at the Westlake 912 Project, Peace, uh, Prince of Peace Lutheran Church in Westlake on Saturday, August 6th at 10 a.m. All right. I'll try to write. In fact, I'll try to put this on the website. Uh, my website at alwayswrite.us. But it's the Westlake 912 Project, Saturday, August 6th, 10 a.m., a Convention of States information presentation. What needs to be done to get all the necessary states on board, how you can get involved, how you can help, and more. All right? So, David Freeman, thank you for that. Thank you for doing what you're doing as well. You are uh, leading what I think is a very, and a ton of really prominent conservatives across this country believe is very, very necessary, and that is the Convention of States. All right, let's uh, go to Medina. Lisa Woods is on the line. Lisa Woods, of course, runs the wonderful organization known as Medina County Friends and Neighbors. We've got a meeting tomorrow, don't we, Lisa? We do. We do. Um, I hope I can talk, though, because I'm lost for words for what you reported earlier um, about the mother being pregnant as well. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Yeah, she's uh, pregnant with the illegal alien's baby, uh, and so was her 10-year-old daughter, whom he raped. He had confessed to twice. That's probably just all he'll confess to, but it was probably more than that. And she didn't, this reason none of us knew the story was real is because she didn't report it to police. She didn't want her boyfriend and the father of the uh, unborn baby she was carrying to either be thrown in prison or go to prison, uh, or thrown in prison or be deported even for raping her 10-year-old. It's just disgusting. Wow. I'm sure that makes women all over Ohio, when they hear that, um, just count their blessings that they had parents that were responsible and kept them safe. Amen and that, that. Uh, we, we are cultivating um, a culture of people that just don't care, and it's... Uh, so sad. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, I can't get off that subject. <laughs> My mind just won't go anywhere else. But meanwhile, tomorrow we do have Art Thompson, and I got a sneak peek at him on Wednesday at the off meeting. Um, he really, 
uh, told us things that we did not know about Joe Biden and that this has been his plan all along. This isn't something new. Even if he was cognitive, <laughs> if he could still, like, you know, talk, this is where he was going anyway. Um, yeah, he, I gave, us, he, he had... gave us a little bit of a sneak peek on uh, Tuesday or Monday. We had him on yes, I heard, as well. Right. And, uh, yeah, and uh, it really is eye-opening. So uh, anybody yes. anybody who heard him uh, then, if you want to get more detail, I know he said he was going to bring a lot more information to the speeches that he's making in the area, including tomorrow morning at the Thirsty Cowboy, right? Yeah, he had an incredible table set up with a lot of material. Uh, some of it was free. He had some of his books for sale, and uh, people were just eating that up. So um, I'm sure he will have it as well tomorrow morning. So that's no tomorrow morning at the Thirsty Cowboy, uh, 8.30 a.m. The call to order is at 8.45 and um, goes till about 10, sometimes a little after. And afterwards, we head out to the uh, planted flag for more conversation and camaraderie. And and uh, I hope folks will, will come out and join us. Sounds good. Lisa Woods, thanks for letting us know. Have a great event tomorrow with Art, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. 10.01, time for our news. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk to author and uh, journalist uh, Ed Brodow. He's a conservative commentator, and uh, he's got a very important piece uh, that has been running for the last week or so. Transphobia is an attack on free speech. I'll let him explain what that means. It's important. It really is important. That's coming up as our number two commences on AM 1420, The Answer. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Welcome to Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Always Right Radio, hour number two underway now, nine minutes past 10 o'clock. I'm officially a liar. It's 10 minutes past 10 o'clock now on this Friday, a free-for-all Friday, the 22nd morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, 2022. Appreciate you being with us. Uh, I We spent a lot of time on this last week, didn't we? Well, um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that. Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five transgender uh, persons have attempted suicide so i think it's important because of my line of questioning because so we can't talk about it because denying that trans people exist and pretending not to know that they exist i'm denying dangerous. that trans people exist by asking are you? you if you're talking are you? about women are you having pregnancies do you believe that uh, men can get pregnant no i don't think <laughs> so you're pregnant. denying that trans people exist Thank and that leads to violence is this how you <laughs> Um, there's nobody I would rather ask to follow up on that than uh, Pastor Mark Robinson. Ain't but two genders. <laughs> two genders. Ain't nothing but men and women. You can't question the leftist, leftist uh, narrative. You cannot question it. If you do, you are committing violence. Josh Hawley did not realize that by asking a law professor from Cal Berkeley uh, if um, uh, when she refers to people with the capacity for pregnancy, 
uh, if she means women, because, you know, women are the ones that have the capacity for pregnancy. Uh, he didn't know that he was committing violence against people. Did he? Poor Josh Hawley did not know how many people were taking their own lives because he asked the question as to, as to whether or not she meant women can have babies. How about that? But that's exactly where we are headed in this country. We're not headed there. We are there. We are there. If you use language like that, if you question the motives, if you question the reality of the trans movement, if you question the agenda, if you question anything about Pride Month, you are the one committing violence, and therefore you must be silenced. In other words, the First Amendment does not apply to you. And I think that's the theme of a terrific piece written by Ed Brodow. Uh, Transphobia is an attack on free speech. Ed Brodow is a conservative political commentator, the author of nine books, including his latest number one Amazon bestseller, America on its Knees, The Cost of Replacing Trump with Biden. He joins us now at AM 1420, The Answer. Ed, thanks for the time. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Doing well, thank you. I, uh, I'm still mesmerized by that exchange between uh, Kiara Bridges and Senator Josh Hawley, and I know you referenced that in your article. So I want to lead with this. As interesting as what I just played was, what I found more interesting was when she was being questioned uh, by John Cornyn right before the Hawley exchange, and he asked her whether or not a baby who is uh who has just been born has value she reluctantly after four seconds of silence says yes and then he said what about right before the baby's born before it passes through the birth canal does that baby have value and what she said ed was you probably remember this or saw this what she said was i believe that the person with the capacity for birth or for for pregnancy has value and when Cornyn said no that's not what i asked you she said well i'm answering a more interesting question to me I wonder how she would take that answer from one of her students in one of her law classes at Cal Berkeley if she asked a question about a precedent, a case, or whatever, and they answer a different question because it's one that's more interesting to them. I wonder if that would fly. What do you think? Well, I do remember that interchange. And the fact is she wouldn't answer the question. And uh, she she kept coming back with double talk with her prepared answer instead of answering his question. Now, in, in a law school class, she has power over these students. And I really feel sorry for these students in her classes. And, man, if I had a kid and my kid wanted to go to law school, I would not send that kid to Berkeley. I mean, imagine what, how these kids are being brainwashed by, by professors like this one. It's really a sad commentary on uh, not just the legal profession, but what's happening in the society and it's it's being enforced by the president. Biden is attempting to shut down his enemies. He's using the FBI to close dissent. You're right, 100%. It's completely been weaponized. He is doing exactly that. Uh, and that's exactly what the left is doing in the uh, institutions of higher learning as well, including at law schools like Berkeley, as that particular professor pointed out there. Let's talk about what she did there, and let's talk about bigger picture, um, what they are doing to silence people. It was amazing to me that a senator, in his domain, by the way, in the Senate chamber during a Senate committee hearing, she went on the offensive, and he was forced to be on the defensive she took over the questioning she said are you are you are you saying that trans people don't exist then questioned him do you believe men can get pregnant and then he answered of course not and then she jumped on him and said there you're causing violence to people because you're recognizing they don't exist 
this is a dangerous game they're playing, that if we don't say things the way they want us to say them, they can accuse us of violence and have us silenced as a, as a, uh, you know, um, a consequence. I think Josh Hawley handled it very well. You know, sometimes with people like that, the best thing you can do is let them talk, let them go on, because they make fools out of themselves. She came across as being incredibly arrogant. I don't think anybody looking at that exchange would have any other reaction but to say, this woman is arrogant and obviously not willing to listen to anything he has to say. Yeah, and what they're doing to people, you know, is making them afraid to speak. They're, you know, the, the irony of this, I guess, is they're they're trying to, they say, defend the rights of trans people to express themselves as who they are, and in the process, they are denying anybody else the right to express their 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 disagreement with this. Uh, and that's the irony. They want they they want expression. They want free expression. They want all. But if you try to say I don't agree with that, I don't agree that men can have babies, and I don't believe that believe that somebody with XX chromosomes uh, can get pregnant. Uh, you know, or they they just literally are ignoring the chromosomal science. They're ignoring ignoring the the uh, biological science, the anatomical science, all for feelings, and they're willing to destroy people's careers and lives, including attacking a U.S. senator over it if they don't agree. Well, that's how the left operates. Uh, they do the same thing with Islamophobia. You know, if you if you criticize Islam, you're you're they call you an Islamophobe. Uh, it's the same thing in critical race theory. If if you say I, you know I'm not racist, they say the fact that you say you're not racist proves that you're racist. I mean, it's crazy. It's non-logic, but they get away with it a lot of the time because people fall for it. They do. They they do. And and that's the danger of it. And I think that's why your piece is so important. The, the, the uh, op-ed that you wrote here about this, because you pointed out, President Biden has openly stated that an eight-year-old can decide his own transgenderism. And if you disagree with that and say, wait a minute, an eight-year-old isn't old enough to decide anything for themselves. We wouldn't let an eight-year-old sign a contract. We wouldn't let an eight-year-old involuntarily engage in sex. We wouldn't let an eight-year-old drive a car because they're eight. They're not old enough to mature enough to understand the gravity of things like that, but we're going to let them decide to change their gender, to change their, their biological sex. And this is something that the president is pushing. And again, if we push back, we're the phobes, if you will. Well, the kids are not deciding anything. They're, they're being told what to think. They're being brainwashed. And that, that's the danger of that's You know, I, I don't have a problem with somebody saying, a man saying I'm a woman, or a woman saying I'm a man. Or, or, or a man saying, I think I'm a hippopotamus. I don't have a problem with that. What the problem I have with it, the danger is that they want to impose on small children, uh, physical, uh, uh physical, uh, medical treatment, which, which can involve, uh, uh, surgery. It involves hormonal uh, blocks, uh, things that can be irreversible to apply to small children. We don't even understand what sex is yet, but they're they're forcing this on them, and that is incredibly dangerous. So for that reason alone, uh, I I am against this whole trans uh, trans agenda. Yeah, I am too, and and it's for different. We're talking with Ed Brodow, by the way, uh, a best-selling author. His latest book, which we'll talk about in a second, uh, it's an Amazon bestseller, "America on Its Knees: The Cost of Replacing Trump with Biden." And that's something I think we are all seeing on a daily basis right now. Uh, I want to quote your article about this because, and speak more to this because this is something that's extraordinarily important. 
The glitch in the gender fluid argument comes down to this. If you're a man, you have the right to believe you're a woman. Or a hippopotamus, if you prefer. You can believe any damn thing you want, but you do not have the right to demand that the rest of us should go along with your delusion. And, Ed, while you are exactly correct, by saying that it's a delusion, you will draw the wrath of the, 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 you know, the LGBT community and the trans community saying, oh, you just diminished and marginalized their existence. You called it a delusion rather than a reality. Well, somebody has to do it. <laughs> it is a delusion. And if I'm drawing their wrath, that's good. You know, that means I've, I've pushed the right buttons because the whole thing is ridiculous when you, when you get down to it. Uh, and as I point out in my article, you know, if you, if you tell me that you're a hippopotamus, uh, you can't force me to believe that. You want to believe it, that's your business, but you can't expect other people to buy into your delusion. And, well, it's and, not, and it's not the even that they the want you to. Argument. It's not even that they want you to believe it, Ed. The, the issue here, and, and what I find fascinating and important about your article, is what it does to free speech. They want you to say it. Even if you don't believe it, you have to say it. And you have to yeah. say it. In, in, in order to keep your job, or if you're a student, in order to keep your place in the class, to not be subjected to some kind of a punishment. If somebody says, I'm a hippopotamus, or, and, and that's a little bit extreme, but you know what they are doing? They are doing transspeciesism. They are. There, there, there are people, there are, there are, you know, these same types of attention getters, and that's what I believe 99.9% of these trans people are. I think a very teeny tiny fraction of a percent of them actually suffer from the scientific condition called, a psychological condition called gender dysphoria, where they really do have a mental situation where their, their mind feels different from what their body is. The rest of them are all attention seekers and, and followers of trends. But but the dangerous part about this, Ed, is that um, they're they're literally now saying if you if we have to accept that a male believes he's a female and call them as such, you've got some of these attention seekers saying I'm not actually human, I'm cat, and they want you to meow with them in their places of work and school. A couple of them on, on online have said no, I am a I am a human avian. Uh, um, Hybrid. Uh, I'm actually a cardinal because it's a non non gendered non sexual bird, and my friend over here is a blue jay, and we we demand to be you know to be addressed as such. They're demanding those kinds of things. In other words, there's a slippery slope here that isn't even a you know it's not a question anymore. We're already sliding down it. Well, as I point out in my article, the difference is one between tolerance and celebration. You know, you have you have a right to expect that people will be tolerant of you. But you don't have a right to expect that they will celebrate your position. So if, if you're a man and you say you're a woman, okay, you know, fine, that's great. You know, Bob thinks he's a woman, wonderful. But don't expect me to take your position and say, isn't that, that's great. I think everybody should, I think Bob should think that he's a woman. That's wrong. And, and, and the expectation of it is wrong. Yeah, it, it really is. And in particular... Um, when you're forcing this agenda on little kids who don't know any better. Um, there's a news article that I saw this morning. It's Again, it's another one of these teachers. And how so many of these warped in thinking individuals get jobs as preschool teachers or primary grade teachers is beyond my comprehension. But they're there. And this one just identified, you know, this, uh, this, this freaky uh, um, a second grade teacher said that one of my students came up to me and changed their pronouns. And once I accepted that and told them that's wonderful, she said every second grader in her class wanted new pronouns now and and now she wants us to believe that they're all transgender 
that they all think there's something else and want to be identified by something else, rather than the fact that they're all very impressionable little kids who are looking to curry favor with their teacher, who has obviously pushed this on them. That's what makes this so dangerous. Well, what we need to realize is that the left has taken over the education system. It's a real danger. The left has bought academia, both on the secondary level and at the university level. I mean, that's what they're teaching at Harvard and Yale. You know, they're teaching all of this leftist uh, propaganda, critical race theory. Um, and that's why that's been going. I mean, that part has been going on for a long time at the at the at the um, uh, higher learning level, at the at the collegiate level, uh, in the university level, and even a little bit in the secondary, uh, you know, high school level. But now it's at the primary level. And, and that's, like I said, that's the most dangerous thing. These kids are far more impressionable, far more formative in their minds than, than even college-age students are. So when they're getting kids in second grade and sometimes even younger and teaching them to embrace this kind of strange, you know, alternate reality, this alternate lifestyle, over-sexualizing them at a very young age, trying to teach them what sex is so that they'll be much more amenable to changing theirs, that's where, like I said, I, I you know, th- there has to be a, a, a line that cannot be crossed, and I feel like we've already jumped over it with both feet. Well, look at, look at what's happening in Florida. They passed a law that says you can't teach that stuff to these little kids. And, and what does the left do? They come back and say that's that's anti-gay. You're, you're, the don't say you're gay saying, Don't say gay. See, the left has a very strong lobby, and they're trying to convince everybody that by protecting children, somehow that's an attack on, on gay people, which is another ridiculous argument. Yeah, it, it truly is. Uh, hey, Ed, before we're, go- we're done here, tell me a little bit about the price, the cost of replacing Trump with Biden. That's the subtitle of your book, America on Its Knees. That cost is about much more than just money, although that's enough with the economy and the inflation and so forth, the cost of energy, but the cost is more than just that. Can you give us a quick uh, synopsis? Well, we had things going really well with Trump. I mean, if you look back, Trump had everything under control. The economy was booming. Uh, he closed the border. Uh, Everything that he did accrued to the benefit of the nation. And as soon as Biden got in, he said, I'm going to reverse all the good things that Trump did. So what do we have now as a result? We have the highest inflation in 40 years. People can't afford to buy their groceries. Um, we have law, uh, the absence of law and order. Our streets are, are lawless and more dangerous than ever. Uh, we have attacks on individual rights, uh, an attack on free speech. Uh, the justice system is, is no longer functioning. We don't, we don't have a functioning justice system. Um, a, good, you know, a good example of that was this guy in New York last week who defended himself. A 61-year-old man was attacked. In a, he was working in a grocery store. He was attacked, and he successfully defended himself. And in the process, the attacker was killed. And the uh, DA in Manhattan had this guy arrested and held on $250,000 bail because he defended himself. That's just another symptom of, of what's going on, and it all is traceable back to Biden and his, and his policies. And what I point out in my book, the real danger is not so much that Biden is incompetent or that he's senile or that he's corrupt. The real danger is that he, Biden has sold out to the extreme left wing of the Democratic Party. And they are the socialist Marxist uh, ideology group. They want to destroy 
the United States as we know it, and we make it in their image. Very, very dangerous. We have a president who's bought into it, and we've got to get him out of there. I could not agree more. He has bought into it, and in fact, in many ways, he is leading it, despite his mental infirmity. Uh, it, that's, that's the sad tragedy of it all. Ed Brodal, conservative political commentator and author. His book, bestseller, uh, I'm sorry, his book is a bestseller. It's called America on Its Knees, The Cost of Replacing Trump with Biden. Ed, thank you so much for the time. I appreciate it. Keep up your great work, sir. Thank you. 1027, we'll take a time out here. We're going to come back after the news with Christina Hagen, who will probably want to remind us. Ain't but two genders. Two genders. Ain't nothing but men and women. Woo! Uh, license number 30185. The Bullington Capital Report. You know, there are an awful lot of people that go through life that are really good memorizers. Not so much on the critical thinking part, where you have to break it down yourself and figure out what answers are when the answers are in the books. It really is difficult to know. Because if you just memorize the answers, when you come up to a situation where there hasn't been an answer written down yet, because nobody's had to stop and figure it out, you can have a problem. Saturday mornings at 11 on AM 1420. The Answer. And Odyssey. Waking up America from its woke slumber. Always right radio with Bob France on The Answer. 1037 rolling onward on this Friday edition of Always Right Radio. Hello. Uh, thanks for being with us. Thanks again to Ed Brodow. Joined us last half hour. Don't forget, next, uh, after the top of the hour, rather, we're going to be talking to Hannah Cox about a pretty important antitrust uh, measure uh, that is drawing a lot of criticism and a lot of questions, I think, from a lot of Republicans. We're going to talk about that with her coming up at... Um, 1110. If you think any antitrust sounds boring, it kind of does. I mean, I wouldn't take an antitrust law class, uh, but when it comes to how it's going to impact you in our lives, then I think it becomes a lot more, a uh, lot more interesting. And we're going to talk about that coming up, uh, at 1110. Right now, though, we want to welcome back to our program. It's been a couple of weeks that she's been away, but now she is ready to go. Our regular Friday commentator is Christina Hagan, former member of the Ohio House and, uh, current member of the Ohio Elections Commission. Christina, welcome back. How are you? Good morning, Bob. I am well. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. Thank you. I appreciate you being with us as always. So um, I, I want to ask you about, I, I just kind of talked about this uh, with a caller uh, a short while ago, and I haven't spent a lot of time on it since the uh, situation arose of the 10-year-old um, rape victim in Columbus who the story was told had to travel to Indiana to receive an abortion because she was six weeks and three days pregnant. Um, as a mom, and as a pro-lifer, as staunch of an advocate as a pro-lifer as you are, I just wanted to get your thoughts on this, because the way the story went, and, and you know, it, it was just too, it just lined up too, too perfectly that it was right after Roe versus Wade was overturned. Suddenly there's a, and then Ohio, Ohio's heartbeat law triggers in, which was then mischaracterized as a six week law. You can't have an abortion after six weeks under any circumstances, even for the life of the mother. Um, and this, this 10 year old rape victim just happened to be, um, uh, six weeks and three days. So she had to flee to another state to escape these onerous, uh, rules and regulations on it here in the state of Ohio. 
And come to find out, Christina, um, the mother is giving bits and pieces of information to Telemundo in interviews. The rapist of her 10-year-old daughter is her boyfriend, whose child she is carrying now. Um, he's an illegal alien. He shouldn't be here. He's been here for seven years. She didn't report the rape of her own daughter. She didn't report the impreg- uh, the, the pregnancy of her own daughter uh, because the individual would obviously either be going to prison or be deported or both. Um, the left used this story to, to ignore the illegal alien aspect, to ignore the child rape aspect, to ignore the mother covering for the child rapist and just turned it into a, see, the, the, the evil people in the Ohio State Legislature and the governor of that state simply want a 10-year-old to carry their rapist baby for nine months. Um, because, because that's what the anti-choice movement looks like. What are your thoughts on how that whole thing is playing out? Yeah, I actually appreciate the question, and um, even at the Alive Festival, I was amongst fellow Christians, and we had a lot of conversations about this, but um, what I want to say is, this is a horrific, uh, worst-case evil scenario um, that does not, you know, is, is not in any way undeserving of our full attention and conversation, and I think the question really should be, why has there been zero conversation about treatment for the child, immediate um, healing type of actions. Instead, it was this really bizarre scenario where a physician um, seemed to be directly exploiting a child's personal medical information for their radical agenda to be advanced. I mean, this is, as you mentioned, also timely that it was immediately after the fall of Roe, immediately after the implementation of Ohio's heartbeat law, which when working through the process was always that there was not um, a need specifically for a rape or incest exemption for the simple fact that you had um, the entire time from the act until the baby's heart started beating and growing alongside the mother simultaneously with her, um, that she would be able to make those decisions. Not that I would agree with those decisions, because I think that we've learned through time, through biology, that regardless of the horrible nature of some really minute scenario conceptions, a child's validity, their DNA, their creation is not any less significant than a child that's conceived in a perfectly wonderful situation. But the real question here is, why is the answer from the radical left always to exploit the worst case scenario to drive an agenda that would take the 99.5% of otherwise um, terminated pregnancies and utilize it, um, exploiting a child to advance their measures. They will at any cost advance their measures. They don't care how many people have to die. They don't care how many people's lives have to be ruined so long as they try to get their message across that would really end up taking the lives of 99.5% of babies that are taken by abortion in the state of Ohio with a beating heart. Now, in this case, of course, the answer is always from the radical left that abortion is some life-saving agent, but the reality is now this little girl would have a compounding trauma. Nobody ever talks about the reality and the way of taking an unborn human's life and what that does to a woman, especially a woman that has just been made the victim of a heinous crime that should have never happened in our country, a rape culture that was allowed to come over our border with zero protections for our communities. And this is not the first rape incident we've heard about from an illegal alien. This is happening all over the country. It's happening to... Um, women that are being trafficked across the southern border. It's happening to their children, as we're seeing here. It's being covered up by the families that have made their way into the country. And we don't know 
much about this guy, but as far as I'm concerned, he's a rapist and he needs to be um, he needs to be the one paying the penalty to the fullest extent of the law, not an innocent child, not a little girl being exploited by a radical agenda doctor. And this was this is success. I mean, this is the same kind of stuff that I heard about directly from a physician within a medical system in Northeast Ohio, later to learn that this is happening across the board in many places that many OB and labor and delivery units are telling physicians within hospital systems that they do not have a right to terminate an ectopic pregnancy. And for all of us to hold dearly the sanctity of life close to our hearts, in fact, um, I've been in a scenario where we've had early miscarriages. I've been in a scenario where I thought we might be facing an ectopic pregnancy and was in a serious moment of prayer and, you know, conflicted heart because I know even if that pregnancy is misplaced, that's still a pregnancy. It's still a baby that's growing in utero. But where both patients cannot survive, medically there is no way forward for both patients. An ectopic pregnancy is absolutely the reason that the heartbeat bill carved out an exemption for the life of the mother. And the same would be true for a nine-going-on 10-year-old girl if her body could not support a pregnancy, then surely a case could be made for a medical exemption. That was not pursued by this physician. This physician instead pursued exploiting a minor child for her own political agenda and desire. And these doctors, make no mistake about it, make a lot of money off of terminating human beings in utero. So it is 100% advantageous politically and financially for those who wish to perform abortions in the state of Ohio to exploit a minor child for their own financial gain in the long term. If they are able to use the most horrific scenario and make that the banner child, every situation that they are terminating a live birth, a human being that is otherwise and almost always viable, um, then they're going to do it. And that's just the kind of evil we're dealing with in the radical left. And the crazy thing is I talked to these physicians and they said, we're being told that we do not have a right to terminate an ectopic pregnancy. And I looked at physician directly in the eye over the weekend, and I said that is absolutely 100% untrue. You have the right to ethically and morally move forward in an ectopic pregnancy situation that would directly result in the harm in the life of the mother. Bodily, you know, irreversible or deadly bodily autonomy of the mother, you absolutely have the discretion and the right to move forward in that case, in that scenario, and the law is explicitly clear about these scenarios. So it is, you know, we see it all the time. You know, I mentioned to you the Joy Behar, um, her response to what should be America celebrating the taking down of a violent killer um, a young man, 22, legally and constitutionally armed in Indiana, taking out a mass shooter in a mall. And instead, her knee-jerk response is that he was acting illegally because the law, not the law of the state, but the law of the shopping malls was that he did not have the right to carry. Could not celebrate the lives that had been protected and preserved. It was always about twisting and manipulating reality in order to get their greater agenda, which is to disarm Americans, which is to have abortion on demand, which is to absolutely destroy our culture and the nuclear family and make sure that the government is the parent to every child, every person in this country. It's disgusting. 
Yeah, it is all of those things, uh, and that's a that's a very complete summary. And I'm glad you covered uh, what you did when you talked about you know somebody being a nine year old, ten year old whose body is not going to be able to handle carrying that baby, uh, and that is one of the very very few exceptions that should be carved out uh, in a in a heartbeat law and a heartbeat bill. Um, a victim of a terrible crime like that whose mind and body are not prepared for anything such things, and they were 100 percent a victim. Those decisions need to be available to that child and her and her uh, mother and her her parents and so forth. Now, sad part in this case you don't want mom's advice given what we learned about her defending the rapist and saying he's not that he's not guilty he's and apparently she's carrying his baby it's just such a such a sickening situation let's move on um speaking of exploitation of tragedies and of terrible situations once again we saw it this past sunday uh in a suburban indiana shopping mall suburban indianapolis shopping mall um, a mass shooter went inside with a rifle, and after an hour of planning and carrying out, or who knows, maybe second thoughts inside the bathroom, came out of the bathroom and started shooting people and managed to shoot five and kill three. And it probably, not probably, it most certainly would have been much, much more if not for a good Samaritan concealed carry, constitutional carry holder, who pulled out his uh, firearm and fired ten times from a distance of 40 yards and hit him uh, hit him eight out of the ten times, dropping uh, the killer. He's a hero. The police called him a hero. The mayor called him a hero. Everybody called him a hero except the left. The left said, why did he have a gun inside that mall? The left said, that's not a good Samaritan. Good Samaritans don't kill people. The left would rather have had the mass shooter kill another 10, 12, 15 people uh, in order to be able to pile those, pile those bodies high and stand atop them and scream that everyone who has a gun in America should have it taken away from them, rather than acknowledge somebody with a gun is exactly, proved exactly why the Second Amendment exists, the ability to defend oneself and others, if necessary, in a, in a terrible situation like that. So the exploitation continues. Yeah, the left continues to be sick and twisted. They don't care how many lives are taken so long as their agenda is achieved. That is remarkably clear from everything from climate control to gun control. They don't care how many people's lives and economies that they have to decimate so long as they get their way, so long as they are in control, so long as they define the narrative, they define the policies, and Americans just get in line. I mean, this is the scenario that Americans want. We want for our neighbors, for ourselves to be protecting our livelihood, be protecting our families, and even polling reflects that Americans trust um, unwaveringly, whether it is a federal agent, a police officer, or a fellow armed good guy, they trust the good guy um, to respond in these scenarios at a greater rate and with more concern than those other agents that are enlisted by the law to do that. And we respect and love our law enforcement. Even our law enforcement knows, though, we can't carry them in our pocket. We cannot have a law enforcement officer with us at all times. Simply the numbers don't work out. But we can and should be able to in every way protect ourselves and our families, and that is why constitutional carry is 100% a right that every American should sustain and fight for in every single state in this union. That young man is a hero. He saved countless lives. And the, the left, again, is so radically twisted. I was listening to, I don't know why I ever give any attention or creed to the view and their craziness, but sometimes I just like to see what they're saying on the left. And when Joy Behar was basically saying that this was an unlawful citizen acting against the law. You know, no conversation of the mass murderer 
um, acting unlawfully. And by the way, would he, um, the mass murderer, mind the laws of the land? No, they're killing human beings. But for the person who was constitutionally caring, was minding the law, was saving his fellow citizenry, um, they go out of their way to try to criminalize him and call him a bad guy. And I just think about this, and it's, it's insane to me that we allow for these people to have a perch, to have a voice, to have a, an opinion platform of any sort, that they would denigrate a hero, an American hero, that stood in the space in between families I and mean, was willing to put his own life in harm's way to protect others. Sorry about that uh, little bell there. Uh, yeah, and uh, and I think that's all very well said. And, you know, the, the, the follow-up to that is what happened two days ago. The House Judiciary Committee uh, just passed a ban on assault weapons, what they call assault weapons, and they don't even know what they are. And that is then being pushed now for a vote from the full House. It'll go to the Senate, where hopefully it will die. Uh, Jim Jordan seems pretty confident that it will die in the Senate, that there aren't enough uh, uh, um, Democrat votes even for that ban right now. It would take all 50 of them, obviously, unless some Republicans turn and uh, and go with them. But but despite all of the things that we just discussed in your great uh, analysis of what happened in Indiana, they still want to take more guns away. And the worst part about this, maybe you heard this, maybe you didn't, yesterday in that uh, House uh, discussion, Jerry Nadler um who is the chair of the Judiciary Committee, I want to see if I can find his exact wording again on this, um, ad- admitted and acknowledged that this bill will confiscate guns that are in common use. Confiscate guns that are in common use. Not just stop the sale of or, or use of, but confiscate guns that are in common use. In other words, not radical, wild weapons of war, but guns in common use. And he said, that's the point of the bill. He said it out loud. He said, this is our goal, is to confiscate guns that are in common, common use. They don't want people like the young man in uh, Elijah, uh, I can't remember his last name, in, in Indiana, to have access to guns to stop mass shootings. He believes that somehow, apparently, the criminals, whose job is in their name, that is crime, that they're going to suddenly follow, the, follow the, the rules if they take these guns out of circulation. They will not stop. Um, until they get a civil war in this country. It's pretty clear that they're willing to burn American cities to the ground. They're willing to incite fear and fearmonger. They're willing to try to assert powers of parents to raise their children in their biological sex. This is a very dangerous, destructive government that will at no turn stop if they are allowed to continue to have power in this country. Thank goodness that this is not likely to pass the Senate, but again, you know, Republicans tend to be voting with Democrats these, these days and what they think is a popular opinion instead of what is moral, morally, ethically or constitutionally sound. Uh, so we can never trust that they will protect our rights in either chamber. We have to demand it as citizenry. We have to call and apply pressure and write letters and send emails and ensure that they know that we will never hand over our right to protect ourselves and our families, period. Christina Hagen, uh, our regular uh, commentator and analyst on AM 1420, The Answer, a member of the Ohio Elections Commission, and former member of the Ohio State House. Uh, Christina, thank you so very much for your thoughts. It's good to have you back. We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you, Bob. God bless. 10.55. Let's take this time out and come back on AM 1420, The Answer. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. 
If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob Franz on AM 1420, The Answer. Yes, indeed. Hour number three is underway. Now nine minutes past 11 o'clock on a Friday. Thanks for being with us. Thanks again to my guests. Thus far, we've had Christina Hagan, former Ohio House representative. In hour number one, we had uh, veteran journalist and author Ed Brodow. Very important issue on free speech. Now we're going to talk about antitrust, big tech antitrust. And you might think, what do you mean? Because you know, a lot of this stuff is not user-friendly. All right. I mean, it really isn't. Uh, a lot of it is complicated when, it, when you're talking about law, when you're talking about antitrust law. Uh, but there is a bill when you're talking about bills, when you're talking about legislation. And uh, one of the things that we need to discuss right now is a bill, an important bill, uh, that was actually brought forward, brought forward back in January, the American Innovation and Choice Online Act, advanced back in January out of the Senate Judiciary Committee. Um, and the belief by many is that it will hurt U.S. consumers and can concentrate even more power at the Federal Trade Commission. And joining us now to try to make some sense out of all of this and what you, what our viewpoint should be on it is Hannah Cox. And Hannah is um, a libertarian conservative writer, commentator, and activist. She is the co-founder of the Based Politics Network. She's a frequent guest on Fox Business, contributor to the Washington Examiner, and she understands this stuff. She's a consultant for Net Choice, by the way, as well, and has written extensively on antitrust Section 230 and content moderation issues. If anybody can make this easy for us to understand, Hannah can do it, and that's why we welcome her now to Always Write Radio. Hannah, good morning. Thanks for the time. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. Thanks for having me. Okay, so let's explain this uh, in as elementary of a fashion as possible for people who don't understand what antitrust law is and what this particular bill is uh, and what the danger of it is. They're talking about the American Innovation and Choice Online Act. Where, and by the way, my quote was from um, January, and of course we're in July now, so where do things stand there as well? Yeah, so they're trying to shove this through before they go into recess, which means they're trying to get a vote on it by early August. and. Mm-hmm. Democrats are pushing really heavily for this. This has become Amy Klobuchar's sort of pet project, and I really personally believe she's trying to hang her hat on this for a future presidential run. So she's really hoping to get this. They've, they've been rushing it through the whole time. They don't want to have much debate on it, and that's for good reason, because this is a terrible piece of legislation. And I want to make the case to your audience that antitrust is more interesting than people think. I used to think it was kind of boring and wonky myself, but this is actually, it really gets to the heart of are we capitalists or not? Because when you look at how antitrust has been used historically, they like to say this is something the government does to, quote, quote, protect competition and to defeat monopolies. But what's the biggest monopoly that we can never get away from? The, the government co- itself. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> there you go. Well, and you know what? I guess I could probably lump those together. Uh, and there's, a, there's another... There's another court case, actually, we can talk about a federal judge uh, has just ruled that they can open discovery, have open discovery now, and with subpoena power, the uh, uh, the notion of collusion between the federal government and the big tech corporations themselves when it comes to sp- uh, speech moderation. So that that's another issue, but please continue. 
Yeah. So basically, we started using this thing called the Consumer Welfare Standard. This is some legal jurisprudence that got developed in the late 70s, early 1980s. And it basically says that the government very rarely uses antitrust in the way that it says it's using it. Instead, it often uses antitrust to regulate companies and industries and to come in and take more control of them. And so basically, this consumer welfare standard says that the government shouldn't be able to use antitrust unless three conditions are met. One, the company actually is a monopoly, which is pretty rare. Two, it's used its monopoly power. And three, it's used it in a way that actually harms consumers, right? It says that the goal here should be to protect consumers' welfare. And that's been really good for our country over the past, you know, 30, 40, 50 years. It's, it's led to a lot of growth and innovation. Amy Klobuchar's bill, though, basically wants to get rid of that standard and instead move us more to what you see in Europe, where instead of looking out for consumer welfare and, and for our best interests, and instead just gives a lot of arbitrary power to unelected bureaucrats in D.C., namely people within the Department of Justice and the FTC, which is currently run by Lena Khan, who's a very far left progressive. And so it, it basically is a Trojan horse bill that would allow the government to have a lot more power over industry. And they're saying that this is just to go after big tech because I think she knows that there's popular support on both the left and right against big tech right now. But the for way different that reasons, written, though. For, di- for different reasons. That's the funny for part. For different about reasons. It. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And the thing is, this bill wouldn't just affect big tech. It could be used against any number of industries. That's kind of just what they're using as their rallying point. And so it's a very bad idea. It would do things like uh, punish Amazon for ranking their own products first. So if you go on Amazon Prime and you search for, you know, women's bathing suits, there's a good chance that you're going to see options from many sellers on Amazon, but you're probably going to also see Amazon Essentials, which is their own line. This bill would say that's illegal. Amazon can't do that, or Google can't rank its own products first when you search. So that's something that would actively harm consumers. It would take away options. It would penalize companies arbitrarily. And again, it would do so for no other reason other than to give the government a lot more power over industry. And so this is a really bad bill. It's actually very anti-capitalist, anti-free market. And there are better ways, I think, that we can address the issues with social media and with censorship versus giving the very government that's colluding with them more power. That's that's well said, particularly the last part, because they are. The government is colluding with these big tech companies, the ones that do have a monopoly on on uh, you know social media, on the on the essentially what what some would call the digital town square, uh, and they can determine who can be heard and who can't be heard, who can be silenced and who can't be. Obviously, the former president of the United States is not allowed on social media, which is just mind boggling to me, particularly considering the president of Russia is. Uh, so think about that. <laughs> but um, your point, Hannah, uh, uh, about about uh, being better ways to deal with that, um, and and the, and that this being a bad way to do it. Let me let me actually go in reverse of that and and say, with all of the negative reasons, or all of the reasons rather that you just described, that this is a bad bill. Um, why is Chuck Grassley a co-sponsor? Chuck Grassley has <laughs> been a consistent conservative Republican for a very long time, and he's working with Klobuchar on this. Do you understand that? Why? Well, you know, it's not just him. We also have people like Josh Hawley, and, and not on this bill, people like Tom Cotton is on another antitrust bill. And I can't speak to the motivations of politicians, but I think, unfortunately, there's very few people in D.C. who consistently stand for free market capitalism. That's one. There's a lot of people who only support capitalism when they feel like things are going their way, and they're very willing to use the government to punish people they don't like or to, you know, help their friends and, and kind of work out inside deals for people that they do like. And so... It's just cronyism, plain and simple. I'm disappointed to see Republicans on this. But I also think likely there are a lot of Republicans who are making a crucial error here, which is that 
They're mad at big tech, and I get why. I do understand why. But they're being very short-sighted about that. And they're basically giving the government a massive new amount of power under this bill that could be used against all kinds of industries simply because they're mad at big tech and want to take a hammer to it. And so it's not a very principled way of dealing with things. Again, you know, we believe in limited government because we know that ultimately the government solutions to problems are the worst possible outcomes you could find. The market can handle many of these issues. It already is to some extent. You know, you look at Facebook basically cannibalizing itself right now. I've, I've been really enjoying watching its downfall, but they're bleeding people every month. They're desperately trying to keep up with a new kid on the block, TikTok. They're having to take away features, add features, and as a whole, they can't get young people to come back. So you're really watching in real time what was the top social media giant commit suicide, essentially, and it's increasingly falling off the radar while other new platforms are emerging. You see things like Elon Musk and the Twitter deal. I think as a whole, this is a short-term problem that the market will solve because people want free speech, and when there's a demand, there will be a supply. It just takes a little time for things to get straightened out sometimes, but we've got to let the market work and give it space to do that. What do, you, do, what do that. you base that part on, though? I'm sorry to interrupt. What do you base that part on, though? Because I want to believe that, that it will work itself out and that there's a market for free speech. And yet Twitter has been operating essentially unchecked censoring speech for, what, 10, 12, 15 years? I don't even know how long it's been now. Um, and, and, and I don't see that. Well, I shouldn't say that I don't see them cannibalizing themselves to the, to the level that you just described Facebook, but they're in the middle of this lawsuit with Musk. I don't know how that's going to play out, but you know, I've been waiting, I've been waiting for, for free speech to work itself out. Um, and I haven't seen it. So how do you, how do you propose or suggest or, or suspect that might work? Well, I would just gently say that we can't be too myopic about this. First and foremost, Twitter is not even within the top five largest social media companies out there. And so I like Twitter. I use Twitter a lot. I tend to care more about what happens on Twitter than other platforms. But to say that, you know, Twitter has this huge market size, it actually really doesn't. It, it user-wise, is, is a pretty small platform still. And we see that people are matriculating over to different platforms that have better protocols. And I think that, you know, we're still within a 10-year window. That's not a very long time period. Uh, social media is still very new. We're at the cusp of it. I think things are still developing. And I think... You know, if you look at the companies even that were at the top at the beginning of that period, MySpace and these other um, platforms that were the big giants at the time, those have already gone and, and been replaced. And I think that will continue to happen, and, and I'm hopeful things will trend in the right direction. But again, you know, whether or not we get the immediate results we want in that regard, we have to acknowledge that giving the Department of Justice, which just since the past year, labeling parents who protested at school boards as yeah. domestic terrorists, more power over social media is not going to give you better free speech outcomes. You know, giving the FTC, who's run by a socialist, more power over social media is not going to lead to more free speech outcomes on social media. So we can have issues with big tech, and, and I think that we should hope to see better solutions and better companies form in the market and seek to support them when they do. But again, we can't be so short-sighted as to think that the solution to this is giving government more power over those companies, right? No. I don't like some of their practices, but I'd like them a lot less if they were run by the government, I'm sure. Yeah, no, I, I concur. We're talking with Hannah Cox. She is the co-founder and host of Based Poli- the Based Politics Network. Um, and she has written extensively on antitrust, Section 230, and content moderation issues, which is what we are discussing right now with this particular piece of legislation that would give that much more power to um, uh, to the DOJ uh, and to the FTC. So when we talk about big tech platforms and we talk about the monopoly being held by those uh, select few um, in the social media world, what about their hosts? Um, I was particularly angered when when 
Apple and Google conspired to crush Parler about a year and a half ago. And I may be off on my time there. But they literally conspired to crush Parler. There was a massive movement. I think this was shortly after Twitter and Facebook agreed to ban uh, Trump from, from their platforms. And so many people are like, that's it. We're out of here. And they were going to Parler, which was viewed by many as the conservative answer to Twitter. And they couldn't stop Parler from existing, but they didn't have to host it. And so Apple and Google stepped in and said, um, yeah, we're not carrying that on our App Store or our Google Play Store. That's a different kind of, you know, um, monopoly, I suppose, when the servers are run by select few, you know, the most massive servers in the world are, are run by select few companies, and they can decide who has access to the service to put their product online or not. Yeah, I thought that was, you know, a really crummy deal that Parler got dealt. I actually had the opportunity to speak with the founder of Parler recently. Um, while I thought that was crummy, though, you know, the reality is it's back up. And it was only down for a very short time period. There are other servers. And so it's an issue. But I want us to, again, you know, keep our eye on the bigger problems that we face, which really do stem from government. Because as a whole, I think we do see more competitors showing up. We see that there are options for places like Parler, and they've come back online. And I will just say, you know, freedom's messy. And I think that's something that conservatives and libertarians have to recognize. We don't believe in limited government and free market capitalism because they're perfect. They're not perfect. There will be issues that present. Sometimes things aren't fair. Sometimes we don't get our way in the marketplace. But those are still better systems to operate within than the problems that you have when you give government control over the marketplace and control over free speech. And I think, you know, when I look at this in an attempt to be principled, and I'll I'll draw this back to something that's uh, related but not exactly related to tech, but if you recall, a couple of years ago there was the baker in Colorado, and he felt that, you know, he didn't want to make cakes for gay weddings and felt that that was a violation of his free speech that violated his beliefs. And I thought he had every right to do that, right? It wasn't the decision I would make. I'm very pro-LGBTQ, but I thought he had every right to make that call. I similarly think that a company like Apple or Google has a right to say, we don't want to host something on our platform that violates our beliefs, that, that goes against our standards or, or violates you know, what we want to promote. Do I agree with those decisions? No, but I want people to be able to make those decisions in the marketplace. And I still would rather live with those downsides of freedom and people having those kinds of choice versus the downsides of government coming in and forcing people to host speech and forcing people to promote ideas that they don't agree with. Hannah Cox, uh, consultant for NetChoice, uh, founder and host of the Based Politics Network with all of the uh, 411 on. Do we, can we say that anymore? Because there's no 411 anymore. 411 is pre-internet. <laughs> That's what we we called four one one when we needed information before the internet. Yeah. I don't know if I I think I just dated myself there by saying the four one one. But with all the latest on the uh, on the antitrust bill, very important stuff. Thank you for being on top of this, Hannah. And hopefully we can stay in touch and uh, follow the developments, especially if they try to push this to a vote in August. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you very much, Hannah Cox, joining us on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. It's eleven twenty three. I've got you now. I've got time for you. You've been waiting for your topic and your time to bring it up because it's a free-for-all Friday. That time is now for the rest of the show. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Whatever you want to talk about. you got a question about an issue we've discussed, bring it. If you've got a topic we haven't discussed and you want some thoughts on, bring that too. Dial right now. We'll get you up on Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer.
Okay, it's 1126, Always Right Radio, AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks so much for being with us. We've got free phone lines for you, free for all. Whatever it is you want to talk about is a fair uh, topic for me. Um, there's a ton of stuff I didn't get to today, obviously, because we had some guests. So uh, fill it up at 216-901-0945, and we will talk. We're going to go to University Heights now, and I'm going to try the name. My screen looks like it says Yan- Yanina. I'll tell you. I'll have, this is Yanina. It is Yanina. I said it right? Okay, yes, it's Yanina. Well, yeah. just, I, I, okay, thank you. Uh, I did go to your celebration or something, enjoy it. I don't want to take too much of your time. You have a lot of people waiting for But uh, I just received from Israel Unwired information about Sweden, about, the, you know, when they have so many masses of Muslim immigrants to come to America, to Israel, and uh, authority of Sweden, they do everything to protect rape culture of Muslim offenders. And this is why the problem is in this. And uh, Sweden is destroying their national identity. We we about the Muslim immigrants. Okay, Yanina, Yanina, let me let me stop you for a second here because I want to make sure I'm understanding you, and I don't think I do. I heard Sweden, and I heard Israel, and I heard protecting rape culture, but I didn't I didn't hear the connection. Can you try that again? My my email came from Israel Unwired about Sweden. That okay. in Sweden. Muslim migrants taking over identity of this country, and they destroying. They they proud of their success of the peace loving country of Sweden, and they have a concept in Islam called hijra, and hijra refers to migration migration of Muslim, and they taking over Sweden. And I received in my email, please do not let this happen to America. So the success story of hijra. They're taking over the country, and they destroy Sweden. You know, and the leadership was really concerned, and I want to make sure it's not going to happen to this country. And wow. you know that Obama is a Muslim, and Michelle Obama is trying to bomb its president, but they both want fundamentally to transform America. She doesn't care about, the, she doesn't care about the being president. She, can, she is concerned about taking over and make sure they're going to have a, a caliphate in America. That's what it is. We're always distracted. We have so many things all over, but this is the most important thing. And and they encourage spread of Islam all over the world. And now they they're heading to America. Yanina, I got it now, and I'm so glad uh, that I asked you to explain it in more depth because I understand it. And um, and uh, your concerns are legitimate. I wish I could allay your fears and tell you that'll never happen here. But given some of the things that you just mentioned, I have not talked about Michelle Obama potentially being a Democrat candidate for president yet. It's, of course, a reality. I just haven't gotten to it yet because we're not there. Uh, but but what you just said, it particularly is happening to Sweden, and when you talk about you know the immigration of, of fanatical Muslims into a country, the fact that our southern border remains wide open makes this a legitimate and direct concern. Uh, people see, and thank you for the call, by the way. I'm going to let you go here as I talk more about this and head to our newscast. But, uh, but listen, uh, the f- people seem to think that everybody coming across our border is from Mexico or Honduras or Guatemala or El Salvador. And that they're all just poor and they live in, you know, terrible conditions and they want to come here and, and pursue a better life. Which, of course, is fine. We welcome them coming to, pr- to pursue a better life here if they do it legally rather than crossing the Rio Grande illegally rather than uh, uh coming across in trucks and so on and so forth illegally but that's not the reality 
It's not the reality that people are only coming from those countries. They are coming from countries around the world, including Muslim countries. And I'm not suggesting, of course, that Muslims are also not welcome here if they immigrate here legally. But radical Muslims, extremist Muslims, believers in establishing a caliphate and turning the United States into a Muslim nation, that's a different kind of threat. And it's one you better believe is a legitimate one because of our open southern border and our... uh, potential leadership at the top i'll leave it for there now leave it right there for now rather but i thank you for that phone call we'll come right back and take more always right radio after this life liberty and the pursuit of happiness always right radio with bob france on the answer President Biden has tested positive for COVID-19. As we well know, it's been reported he's fully vaccinated. He's been twice boosted. You're okay. You're not going to you're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. He's fully vaccinated. You're okay. Twice boosted. Now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. President Biden has tested positive for COVID-19. Vaccinated people do not carry the virus, don't get sick. He's fully vaccinated. When people are vaccinated, they can feel safe that they are not going to get infected. He's been twice boosted. There's no excuse, no excuse for anyone being unvaccinated. He's fully vaccinated. This continues to be a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Twice boosted. Essentially, vaccines block you from getting and giving. Um, the virus positive for COVID-19 pandemic of the unvaccinated. He's fully vaccinated. You're okay. Twice boosted. You're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. He's fully vaccinated. There's no excuse. Twice boosted. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus. The virus does not infect them. Positive for COVID-19. You're okay. You're not going to. You're not going to get COVID. He's fully vaccinated. You want to be a dead end to the virus. Twice boosted. So when the the virus gets to you, you stop it. Biden has tested positive. The virus stops for COVID-19. Vaccinated people don't get sick. Fully vaccinated. They are not going to get infected. Twice. Vaccines block you from getting boosted and giving um, the virus. You're okay. 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 Wait for it. Twice boosted. That video is up now, that little montage. Send it to every person you know that believes in the lie that is the COVID profit shot, the COVID profit jab. Anybody who believes that this is a vaccine, anybody who believes that this is something that is ever going to prevent you from getting COVID-19, anybody who believes that, send them that video and let them laugh and mock Joe Biden. Let's go, Brandon, along with us. I'll be honest with you. I don't feel for him. Not one iota. He has been lying to the people and continues to do so. And from his COVID quarantine, he's making videos telling everybody, go get your vaccine so that you can be protected like me. He's twice boosted. He's twice vaxxed. He's twice infected. How about that? Derek is in Richfield. Hi, Derek. You're on AM 1420. The answer. Thanks for waiting. Go ahead. Hey, no problem. Thank you, Bob. Um, that's, uh, I think I've heard enough of uh, Joe Biden for one day. I uh, can't take that voice anymore. But um, so my, I know, right? Um, but you know, my question just uh, can't change the subject. Just with with BLM, 
Okay, um, so you know, outside of where the you know all the money, the millions of dollars from Home Depot and Walmart that been given to that organization, um, you know, people that support them and they're promoted as a civil rights organization. The basic question: Does anybody ever ask what do they do for civil rights outside of I say bring awareness to their their cause? But I mean, does anybody ask what have they done for civil rights outside of that, or any communities being invested in, you know, anything to that nature? BLM doesn't do anything for anybody except for BLM. And BLM right. only does things for BLM leadership. That's why millions and millions of dollars have been taken in by that fraudulent Marxist organization that doesn't give a rip about black lives um, and, and has been used to buy houses and mansions and all kinds of other luxurious perks for the leaders and the founders. They have fleeced black America. They have told black America, we are your new champion. We are going to do what's right to try to get equality and so on and so forth. And all they have have done is kept black america down and the reality is where black america is most in jeopardy is within black america's communities where black americans kill other black americans in extraordinary numbers far 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 more per capita than any other race in this country and black lives matter ignores the problem they don't talk about gangs. They don't go into communities and put in, uh, you know, after school programs, put in fatherhood programs, put in, uh, you know, things that, that can help keep young black males who are doing most of the killing on the straight and narrow, keep them in school, doing something to protect the black community. All they do is sit back, collect donations, wait for a white cop to shoot a black suspect, and then, and then organize a, a, a riot. That's literally the existence of Black Lives Matter. Did I answer your question? Yeah, that sounds like it. Yeah, it's not as if they're the NAACP or something. They're just there to rile people up and promote street violence. And make money. Like I said, that's that's the that's the number one goal. Just understand that from the get-go. Their goal is to make money. They found a cause that can enrich them, and they are using it uh, to the fullest extent. Thank you, my friend, for the call. God bless. Appreciate you. Thanks to everybody who calls. Thanks to everybody who listens. Thanks to all of my guests. Thanks to my crew, Johnny and Marianne and Marcy and everybody else who is a part of the show. Really appreciate you. Have a safe weekend. Be safe.